Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenacast. We are a podcast of post-evangelical ministers and theological thinkers grappling with our place in the progressive Christian world. Thank you for joining us for another conversation on faith and culture. This week, we are going to be leaning a little bit heavier on the culture because it is time for another Divine Cinema episode. And if you are listening for the very first time, once a month, I get together with two separate co-hosts. And we look at a Christian film, typically a bad Christian film, and we review it and most of the time wonder at the end why we decided to do this in the first place. Um, So, uh, but before we get into this week's episode and we talk about our movie, which will be Christian Mingle the Movie, um, we have a couple announcements up top. Don't forget that our 100th episode of Irenicast is coming up. And the episode will be posted as usual next week, but we are opening up our recording live on January 29th at 4 p.m. for our 100th episode. So you can come and join the recording. You can ask questions. You can chat while we're recording, while we're talking. We haven't nailed down all the specific details as far as our topic or anything like that, but we will be recording our 100th episode live. So we'd love for you to join us. So if you want to do that and you want information on how to join us live, you can go to irenicast.com slash live, and that'll take you to all the information that we have. And then on the day that we are actually recording, if you go to irenicast.com slash live, it'll direct you to whatever platform we are on. So you don't need to worry about searching for us. We're shooting for Facebook Live. And then also, as part of the special announcement, we'll get into more detail as we go. This will be the last Divine Cinema episode on Irenicast because we are spinning off into our very own podcast where we're going to be doing one of these twice a month. So for more information on that, you can follow us on Twitter. We started a Twitter account for this new podcast coming up, and our username for that is at Divine Cinema Pod. That's at Divine Cinema Pod with a C, not an S. We're going to go Divine Cinema when we spin off because we're going to look at more than just bad Christian movies. We're going to look at movies with themes of faith in them. But all of our other familiar items will be there. And we're looking forward to it. So without any further ado, we are going to be looking at the film Christian Mingle today. Here's a little bit of how this film goes, and uh, we'll talk about it after this trailer. 30 years old and only a couple of lousy short-term relationships under my belt. But it wasn't for lack of trying. I dated. The guy couldn't keep eye contact with me for 10 seconds. Babe, if you're not careful, you're going to be the last one standing. Happy New Year, Miss Hayden. Happy New Year, everybody. I think it's the guy I should pick to go out with. Maybe you're knocking on one door hoping another will open. Thank you, Oprah. Don't call me Oprah. You're single and you're looking for a meaningful relationship. Find God's match for you at ChristianMingle.com. You're right, this is wrong. This is wrong. What's wrong? I'm, I'm Paul. Gwyneth Hayden. This is weird, isn't it? It's a weird way to meet somebody. It's a very strange new world. But the stuff between never really changes. Family, joy, our love for the Lord. Yeah, I gotta love him. The Lord. Mm. He's a little like out of Leave it to Beaver, but you guys, he was so charming. This is the guy you met online! I know, but it's not like that. This can only end badly. Sweetie, you're desperate and you're grasping at straws. You're not Christian. When is the last time you stepped into a church? Last month. You went to church last month. Okay, so it was a wedding. You're not going back to 1950s, sweetie. You're going to church. What am I doing? There was something about it all, though. Everyone seemed so happy. Is it just me, or have you always dressed like my grandma? There is something not genuine going on there. You are just being blinded by love. You seem lost. Being a believer, what does that even mean? I just wish that you hadn't lied. Wanted to say thank you for opening my eyes, my heart, all of this. For the first time, I just, I have this sense of purpose in my life. Praise God. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for bringing Paul and I together. You uh, really did good. Thank you. I have never prayed over coffee before. Do you have any water? (coughs) Gwyneth Hayden has it all. A top-notch career, 
killer wardrobe, dream apartment, and great <laughs> friends. She thinks the only thing missing is a man. In a moment of inspired desperation, I like that, inspired desperation, she fills out a profile on the dating website christianmingle.com, hoping to find Mr. Right. However, Gwen's Christianity is a little rusty, and her attempts at impressing her dream guy end in disaster when she calls when he calls her out for her faux faith. In an honest realization, she sees her superficial life for what it really is and is driven to create a personal relationship with God. Christian Mingle. This is a 2014 film, and it has currently a 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is written and directed by Corbin Bernstein. You may know that name because he is the star of older shows. I don't know how many people listening are going to remember these shows, but L.A. Law. Uh, he was in Psych. He played the dad. And Major League, if you know those movies from, I think, the early 90s. Uh, so, gentlemen, what did you think of Christian Mingle? Oh, man, it was uh, pretty much everything that I don't like about rom-coms, but with a Christian spin on it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it is a good way to put it, because I do feel like it's, uh, you know, it hits the notes the same as any other. It was surprisingly better than I was expecting. And maybe that's because it had a format to follow, like a typical kind of rom-com, like here are the things you're supposed to do. There are ways in which, as a, as a movie, it wasn't some horrible piece this together overly Christianese kind of a thing. Um, it was nice to have a main character who for most of the movie is not actually a Christian, at least according to everyone else that was yeah. judging her. Yeah. It's actually what I thought was interesting is it definitely sticks more to the genre film than it does like the Christian film. Like it doesn't try to hit you over the head with its, um, with its message. In fact, that's kind of like the point of like half the characters in the movie, right? Especially we'll get to the big reveal in the end. Um, but uh, I was reading and the the writer director, Corbin Bernstein actually said in a quote, when you did an interview for this movie is, why can't there be Christian movies that are just faith based, but are still just genre films instead of educational hit people over the head with Jesus movies every time. Why not a romantic comedy? And I think that that, that purpose definitely came out. Like it wasn't, it wasn't about like, you know, texting everyone at the end that God's not dead or <laughs> accepting Jesus before the end of the world or making sure you celebrate Christmas right. It was just a story that happened to incorporate a central motivating factor for the key characters being their relationship with God, which was was pleasant, right? It didn't it didn't feel like we we had to go to the altar at the end of this movie and uh have some big major divine Conversion experience. experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I did get a sense, too, that the film is somewhat self-aware. A number of the characters, or especially the main character, would over and over you know, make a comment about how something was awkward or uh, just a little bit weird or you know, or sounds kind of silly. Like there was a little bit, not a ton, but a little bit I felt throughout the film of definite uh, self-awareness. And that was refreshing. It tried to be yeah. clever and succeeded yeah. very few times, but still it tried. Like it, it, it put its, <laughs> its best effort. And there were some nice... Uh, some acting like I was never thrown off by the acting or the production of the movie itself. Like there was nothing that I was like, Oh my gosh. And there, wasn't like some Christian celebrity cameo or anything like that. Yeah. It, which was, Definitely. which was also very nice. The main star actress, Lacey Shibert Chabert. I don't know how to say her name. <laughs> yeah. I, th I thought she did a, a pretty decent job acting in the film. I mean, I think she had some semblance of comedic timing and was doing the best that she could with, uh, script that she was given yeah she's got a pretty decent resume too um she's one of the plastics from mean girls she was in that movie she was actually the voice of meg griffith from the family guy in the first season <laughs> was she whoa I didn't yeah know that. that's super yeah awesome. just the first season but she was she was the voice she was in a video game i played a while ago in a star wars video game oh, that's cool that's good yeah no she was she was solid like um in fact i thought everyone was i thought the main guy paul <laughs> uh paul wood <laughs> Which we'll get into that. Milk toast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he played that part well. There's some fun little cameos, like her boss at the ad agency. I just remember him from Groundhog Day. Yeah, definitely. When I saw Stephen Tobolowski in the credits at the very beginning, I was so excited. He's the boss. So he's also been in uh, Spaceballs for like two seconds. He's the guy that <laughs> says, you idiots, you've captured their stunt doubles. Um, <laughs> fun, random. Uh, and, and just as a side note, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, that, but there was a um, quasi-documentary called Stephen Tobolowski's Birthday Party, 
which is just wonderful. It's, uh, you know, him, his like birthday party from the beginning when he is setting up the food to, I mean, actual people coming over and it's like mixed with just interview. It's a wonderful movie. You should watch it. Interesting. Uh, And about all the different, you know, tiny little roles that he has and who he's connected with. He's a great storyteller. And I thought his character in this movie, you know, totally the kind of Magoo dorky, but he's just so good and he's subtle. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, definitely. He's so fun to watch. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so let's, let's start that. So it, it opens, I mean, there's everything about this movie is a paint by number rom-com. Like if you've seen a romantic comedy, then you've seen essentially this movie. There's not a lot of, not a lot of twists that they make. They really stick to the formula with this one. So, uh, including down to the beginning is the main character's first or a date that she's going on with some guy, um, who has my favorite quote of the movie, by the way. Is (laughs) Is yeah. <laughs> I love stinky cheese. It clogs the pipes, but still, <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought that was hilarious. So she's she's yeah. on a date with this you know jerky kind of guy, and then they set up. Then it cuts to her talking to her friends about how he left and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so well, yeah. and they like they reveal that he's a gastroenterologist. Oh, so I, I missed thought that. that was actually I missed funny. that. Then oh, that yeah. makes the clogging the pipes even even funnier. Okay, Dang. absolutely. Way to pay attention to details, Adam. That's, yeah, that's I know. Definitely something I missed. <laughs> I, I, I absolutely missed that. That's good. Yeah, that, that, that's like a, the self-aware part. I was like, "That's great." I had a, I had a stiff glass glass of bourbon for this film, so uh, I missed little <laughs> little things like that. <laughs> uh, so then she's sitting her with her group of friends, you know, just pretty typical of a rom com, talking to her about her latest failure in the dating realm. One of which there's actually a non-white person in the group of friends that doesn't fit any stereotype of their race is uh, uh, an Asian woman, but we'll get into racial stereotypes later because there's still plenty of film left. Uh, <laughs> That's goodness. right. Well, in the next scene, I think it uh, <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, and then, uh, then there's some subtle film work, right? Because the whole the whole theme of their conversation is that they're 30 and they're running out of time. And then she's walking to her apartment and she walks past a clock store, <laughs> like all these different clocks uh, in the window right next to her apartment. Apparently, yeah. The the whole uh, the, one of the other parts of the genre, I think the the like the voiceover at the beginning, uh, when it started with that, I was like, oh no, this is not going to be good. <laughs> yeah, because she gave away the ends, right? She gave away the end, absolutely. Yeah. In her opening narration, it started out about a journey to meet a guy, but then I met the guy, and uh, you know, it's him with a capital H. <laughs> and just like, okay, whatever, sounds good. Yeah. And she uh, she mentioned finding Jesus in a piece of driftwood. And for a second, I thought that was like a, a, a bad Christian poem that I'd never read. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be left out. Oh, no, just kidding. <laughs> nope, they, they explain <laughs> They <that>. explain it. <laughs> um, so it, it cuts to her at work, right? So now you get to meet the, the characters at work. She's walking down the hall and everyone's saying hi to her. And she's ignoring them because she's so disappointed that she is yet to find a man. Then we're introduced to her coworker, Pam. Tell us about Pam. Uh, Pam is Gwyneth's coworker. <laughs> and she's uh, Gwyneth's friend. And she is, uh, I'd say, probably a stereotypical sassy black woman who dispenses wisdom to the main character. And there's also a scene where she go ahead, she goes ahead and calls her Oprah. So, you know, that's nice. Well, and she pushes back. I love that. I love <laughs> that the, ca- the character, right? Pam says, uh, you know, don't, don't call me Oprah. Like, that's, yeah. that's not cool. But yeah, then proceeds for the rest of the movie to characterize her as Oprah, like in action. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating to me. One, one of the things that bugs me about film, movies like this, and, and even movies in general, whenever they do stuff like this, where you have all these extra characters, um, and you put them in the scene, uh, like at her work or wherever, but there's no real sense that they belong there. What I mean is we have no idea what Pam does throughout the movie. All she does, all she gets asked to do is get coffee. Like, that's it. Like, her role, apparently, at this job is to get coffee. And then the, you know, I don't know, 15 to 20 extras that they have that she walks past or that show up in the meeting later. We have no idea what they do or what their role is other than to, like, fill up the scene. Or be super creepy. Those twins? Were they twins? (laughs) I'm assuming so. It looks eerily similar. Yes. And not not in a good way. And just eerie in general. Like they're so they're in the office and she has to give this pitch and they're they keep cutting to these two guys that look exactly alike and they have these like 
serial killer faces. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> I don't know if they're like friends of someone for the production or they want a contest to be in the movie or whatever, yeah. but it was, it was <laughs> One of them has like, one of them has like a chin strap beard facial hair thing, which is never really a good thing. They, I feel like they had acne maybe or something, which, you know, isn't <laughs> horrible, but it just felt like makeup. They had anyone? a lot of freckles. That I think be. it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was hard to tell, but it just, you know, you got the sense of like, why are any of these people here other than to fill out the scene? So it's not, you know, just two people in the room. Yeah. Uh, and they don't answer that. They don't have to go into depth. Like here's the bio behind these people or exactly, mm. but they just, they never explain who the heck these other people are. You just assumed. And why not even just use the people that talked to her when she came into the office for the first time, like use the same people. Cause you've at least established a little bit that they exist. I did feel like some of these people are definitely extras, like, you know, these aren't actors, because even the way they walk kind of in and out of the frame seems a little suspicious. Like, so there's other scenes where people are uh, in a church and everybody's kind of filing out. And even then, I just got the sense that these people feel awkward about what they're doing. Like, they're walking, like, we're not looking at the camera. We're, I don't know. Um, yeah, a little bit. It just felt bizarre. So the, the, the side plot for the movie. So obviously the main plot is she's trying to find a man. Uh, but the side plot is that she's also a a VP in a, um, some kind of advertising firm, and she has to sell people on their new client's product, which is a hair growth pill. And she meets the person, which is <laughs> is Donnie DeBona. Is that how they pronounced it? I don't know if that was supposed Emphasis to be. on the bone part. Yeah. It really yeah. was weird. <laughs> Debona. Right, because they, they seem to enunci- like over-enunciate the bone part. And then when they meet him for the first time, he keeps giving eyes at Gwyneth, the main character. But it really pays off. Like, you totally expect him to, like, try to hit on her or something, but nothing. That was yeah. that was weird. It did feel like, oh, you're setting something up. Yeah, I mean, again, you feel like the boss from Seinfeld or something, right? Like, yeah, he played Jay Peterman in the... Seinfeld for yeah, seasons. It, even later on, there's a part where she's pitching some ideas to him. It just felt like I have no idea what he's thinking, if he likes it or not. And, and multiple times, I feel like this is the reality with these Christian movies is there's stuff where, you know, in the in the room when people are talking about, you know, writing stuff or, oh, it'd be awesome if we had a character that was like this or whatever. You know, it's like it doesn't pay off. It's just, oh, it's a funny, awkward character. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it just kind of leaves the viewer confused. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of loose ends that were maybe inside jokes of the people making the movie, but yes. never really get get revealed to the audience. One thing I thought was funny is that the infomercial guy looked like, to me, like a cockier, older guy for Fieri. Yes. Yeah, he kind of did. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So so she goes home after this big meeting, and she goes and she's flipping through the channels, and all these infomercials are playing, and this is where she is is introduced to Christian Mingle. Did you did you that bit to see how they're showing the commercial on the TV and they show someone's profile picture on the screen? Uh-huh. Did you happen uh-huh. to notice yeah. the name, the handle no, for this I, person's? I didn't see it. It's great. It's his ministry man. Like okay. <laughs> is his little profile that they click on yes for the for the commercial. Uh but I I thought that's what it said. And I, I rewind it and paused it just to make sure. And it does. It's his ministry man, of course with a capital H. Yeah. <laughs> There's only like 7,000 guys who've registered with that particular handle. <laughs> His ministry man, one, two, three, four. Seven, seven, seven. Because that's yeah, the most you Christian go. way to phrase it. If that's a, if that's a Twitter <laughs> one, I'm, I'm taking it. I'm going to be his ministry <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was uh, pretty ironic that it would it showed a bunch of infomercials and we're watching like a two-hour infomercial is essentially what the movie is. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Uh, and I don't know if that was a little bit of the self-awareness that you were talking about, Adam, but I, I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it illustrated a complete lack of self-awareness for that particular instance, like even later, because later she talks about how like basically her job is to lie and present things and stuff like that. And like they, they really kind of take a subtle jab at advertising in general, even though they are a movie that is advertising a Christian website, because we know that they're getting money for this. Otherwise, they just would have you know, did the typical like movie come up with a name that's sort of similar that people know what you're talking about without actually saying it. Yeah. And then when she's filling out her profile, it asks her what church she goes to. And I think she just put God's church. Like she didn't like, I mean, she just open another tab on your computer and look up a church that's near you and put that one in. <laughs> I don't know why that little thing bothered me so much, but it, it absolutely yeah. did. 
Yeah, I was curious how they were going to handle technology in the movie. So like, you know, how are they going to do text messages and all that kind of stuff? And they really just ignore it. You know, even with the computer, there's, I mean, you know, maybe they get a couple text message back and maybe they'll like show the front of the screen or whatever for a half a second. Technology didn't seem to play a role in the movie, even though it's 2014 and she's using a website app um, or dating app or so. I don't know. It was just uh, that felt like a miss to me. Yeah, well, you can tell that this was written by a man in his 60s, right? Because even like throughout yes. the whole thing, they're talking about what a world we live in that people are meeting online, which is something you would have said in like the late 90s or the early 2000s, but not in 2014. Right, yeah, definitely. And so I didn't like so the whole thing, part of the whole like story is that she goes on to Christian mingle, but she's like sort of not really a Christian. And I didn't really know that until she went to the store to buy like the Christianity for Dummies books. And I just, yeah, I thought that wasn't uh, hinted at in the film as she was signing up for the, yeah, they did for the service. Even throughout the film, they kind of gave you the impression that she went to church at one point, or it was kind of ambiguous. Like, you, yeah, yeah, it was strange. That really bothered me. Yeah, it did. Right. We'll get to this, but the whole theological kind of implications of the way that Christianity is portrayed is really frustrating or um, weird. Just from the very beginning of the film. The big question I have is, why do we care about any of this? Why do we even care about the story? Like, there, we, I wasn't ever given some kind of humanity, you know, or connection to the character. And then so later, too, then it's like, well, we don't know about her Christianity. We don't, we don't know anything. We're just, like, left to assume certain things that really don't come to light. Yeah, it's, there's not a lot of character development with the main character outside of, like, mm -hmm. there's no real backstory, aside from the fact that she's been unlucky and that she's had a couple of relationships in her whole life. Like, it's, it's really, really ambiguous, especially, like, just the idea, like, just something simple, like meeting her parents or whatever, because it was yeah. all about, it was one-sided when it came to that. Uh, so, so she meets, what's his name? Um, Paul? Paul Wood. Paul Wood. <laughs> Paul Wood. Uh, and they meet for the first time in the coffee shop and it's super awkward. Like I felt awkward watching their first encounter. It was, it, Absolutely. Did, it did not cross the line into awkward charming. It was just awkward. Yeah. It felt like the awkward date trope that you would see in other romantic comedy movies. Yeah. And I, like the whole time I couldn't tell if like, Oh, is this, is this the guy that she actually likes or is this supposed to be the bad date that, you know, is in the wood, like, in between her and the other guy that she's actually going to end up with. Yeah, I was wondering if it was going to be like the beginning of a montage of her, you know, trying out different Christian guys or something like that. Uh, and because yeah. they had no chemistry, like none, like as, no. as good as actors everyone was, <laughs> there was no connection with these two at all. I thought. Yeah, he's just the most milk toast human that I, that I ever have seen on screen. I think he's just like the most bland, unoffensive person. It really seemed like the um, he could have been the character. I can't remember the name of the film uh, that uh, Brendan Fraser was like, you know, it's like him and his family are locked in some underground. Oh, Blast shelter. from the Past. It's one of my favorites. Blast right? from the Past. Yeah. That it's is a wonderful. Film. It's a wonderful film. <laughs> a little Christopher Walken action in there. But uh, there, there was a sense of like he's grown up somehow innocent of mm -hmm. the world. <laughs> Still calls mama and papa. Just seemed like, oh, this guy, is, is he like? 16 is he 18 like and hasn't yeah. been off the farm um <laughs> what's what's going on um, yeah definitely it's just weird uh and they never fill that out like he his character depth barely ever expands it was rough but he's a nice guy he's really nice you know yeah. as i guess in contrast to the gastroenterologist guy or whatever who was checking out other ladies or something uh maybe he's a he's a good guy i don't know he's nice until later but we'll get into the scene That's where true. they you know, inevitably break up, right? Because this is yeah. this is what it's leading to. But um, so one thing that he mentioned when they're sitting there is that she doesn't want to eat a cookie or whatever, and then she just says, you know, just coffee with cream or whatever. And then his compliment to her is that you're uncomplicated and a believer, which was the first like major hint of uh, maybe misogyn misogyny is too strong of a word, but it was like we like our women uncomplicated here. <laughs> you know, like one dimensional would be nice, maybe two, but let's not go beyond that. It was just a weird, yeah. a weird compliment to say that you're uncomplicated. Um, yeah. And I get what he's saying there is that you're not high maintenance, which maybe would have been too overhanded, but still it was kind of, it didn't fit the vibe of that whole conversation. Certainly. Yeah. So they have a few dates and one of the first major dates that they go on is for sushi, which I thought was the worst scene in the entire movie. 
Because they have to go out of their way. Like, this is a good old boy, American, you know, that's never had sushi before. And he thinks it's gross. And he just wants a chili dog kind of thing. Absolutely. And it was <laughs> it was really bad. So his connection with any kind of other culture is really bad, um, which we'll get yeah. into. Because one of the major ways that all this it kind extends. of stuff comes out later is they go on a missions trip. And uh, that is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, but But this scene in particular in the sushi restaurant, like, why? I don't like that association or that uh, character type that, you know, it has to be this like white bread, straight up American person to be the Christian. I, I don't even know why that was a necessary element. Yeah. When I when I watched it, it seemed like it was a very underhanded way of saying that this type of white man is like the person that Christians should be, essentially, that it's OK and good for people to be milk toast or to be like these good old country folk who just like eating chili dogs and and things like that and steak and cake and steak and cake <laughs> steak and cake oh my goodness we'll get there yes i thought that was a legitimately funny scene no that that, it, that one was definitely funny but i yeah. i agree though that, like there's there's this sense of um Christian equals innocent. Um, yeah. And innocent more defined by ignorance than, yeah. you know, like than actual life experience and choosing some kind of, you know, positive view on humanity despite the whatever, you know, or like, you know, it, almost like the, the good Christian man, boy or whatever ha- has been uncorrupted by whatever the city, by sushi, by who, by, by other cultures, who knows what, um, but it's just a good old boy. And that whole picture of good old boy equaling innocent, I mean, honestly, mostly just ignorant that, that, that's another problem with that. I see in a lot of Christian movies, if we could just go back to our 1950s, leave it to beaver kind of mentality or, or world, then that would be great. And that's where we should be. I mean, that, that you know, I don't think they tried to say that necessarily in this film, but behind the character portrayal, those are equated in a way that I think does a disservice to Christianity. Yeah, certainly. I think that that's the message that uh, the intended audience of this movie is going to receive, too, of like this. This guy is like the way that you're you're supposed to be as a, a white Christian male. For sure. And they, they do go as far as mentioning it. Like they don't say the, the leave it to beaver, but they do say like, Oh, that's very Brady bunch of you. Like yeah, they, they definitely, definitely bring it back to those, that era. And that, well, I guess that Brady bunch was more seventies and it was a mixed family, but it was still that, that vibe, you know, good, wholesome, good, whatever. Exactly. Uh, so they go on a couple more dates and Paul gives his testimony. Um, anyone want to tackle this one? Like what, what is Paul's story here? <laughs> Can you do it without laughing, Dylan? (laughs) Let's try. All right. So (laughs) Gwyneth asked Paul about his testimony, how he came to to know Jesus. And he talks about when he was 13 and he was doing a science fair at his school. And he talks about how he put different rats through a maze and played one. I can't. (laughs) He played one (laughs) with a... He for one of the rats he played heavy metal music for the other one he played classical music, and he wanted to see which one would go through the maze quicker. And before he put each, each of the rats in the maze, he would or he would let them smell a big piece of Swiss cheese so that they would want to work through the the maze quicker. And apparently that made him think, "What am I working towards or working through life to get? What am I searching for?" And that's when he decided to become a Christian. Um, did I, did I leave anything out? Cheese is transformative in this movie. Cheese, I mean, I mean really, cheese is pretty great. Jesus is pretty great. Yeah. I'm just going to leave that there. Nice. Well, <laughs> and she says that I think, right. In that particular point, And he kind of laughs yeah. at it like, Oh, that's really clever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good Lord. I didn't get it. Like I really did not like, you know, maybe, and maybe I don't know. I have to think of that as like a positive or a negative for the movie. But again, it was like another place where they didn't force feed some particular like stereotypical story. Um, mm-hmm. Like I didn't anticipate his story to go that way. But they went so far as to have it be so ambiguous that I was like, wait, how did that? Like I felt like the, her as a character should have, could have, should have said, you know, we, we've skipped some steps here. How did you yeah. go from this to that? Like I, I'm really confused. I mean, it's similar right before that, right? He tells her 
Well, I think he even asks her, like, hey, how did you become a believer? And she's like, ooh, that's, you know, it's a big story or it's too too complicated personal. or too yeah. personal for this early. Yeah. Um, and then so he shares about his dad finding, or his grandpa, I think, finding a piece of driftwood or something. His dad. Okay, his dad. so he's on his mom's side. It's a whole bunch of, like, pastors all the way back for who knows how long. And then his dad, you know, was a little bit rambunctious or something in his background and then found a piece of driftwood. Uh <laughs> saw, you know, saw something in it and carves it into Jesus or somebody. But even those stories, I'm like, wait, how does, what happened? And it assumes a particular, like they, they already had some kind of like understanding of Christianity or something. I don't know. Like it was just, the whole film is like this in most Christian movies. I feel like that there's these massive assumptions that the people Mm -hmm. viewing, you know, already understand, you know, every, and and I think at some level that makes sense, right? I mean, the majority of people who probably watch this movie, uh, I doubt there were many that weren't Christians that were like, hmm, that seems interesting. I'll watch this movie. Uh, So maybe it makes sense that if you're going to do that, uh, or if you're going to make a movie like this, that you're just going to assume everybody knows. But all that to say, I was just still great story, but I have no idea how that led you to become a Christian. Uh, Yeah. It was weird. Well, I think it was all a setup for for Gwyneth's character because they, they tried to, which I think they failed miserably. They tried to get across with her the entire movie that she was clever, that she could bring things together, that she had just this way of selling things. Um, but the one time we get her like in her niche at her job, trying to like pitch this hair loss pill, it was awful. Like there was nothing convincing <laughs> about what she said. It was, it yeah. just didn't go well. And then they're trying to show like how she's creative and can bring these things together through these two stories of his dad and him and how they accepted Jesus. And it wasn't very clever. Like, like he was ridiculously blown away that he, she made the connection that his last, his dad's last name was wood. And he came to know Jesus, a carpenter through a piece of driftwood. And he was just blown away. He's like, I've never heard it framed that way before. And I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah. You've grown up your whole life and no <laughs> one's made a joke about your last name being Wood. And like, none of that. Like, it was it was just so weird. Like, I know what they were trying to do there. And, and it would have been, it would have made the movie a lot more enjoyable. But they just were not, the writing was not clever enough to to shoot for what they were trying to do at all. Yeah, you really don't get any sense that she's that clever. I mean, I I, I remember that scene and feeling like, wait, she just repeated back to him his story in a shorter version. Like it wasn't yeah. like she even made any kind of connection. She was just yeah, like, definitely. so wait, this is what happened. And he's like, whoa, I've never seen it that way. I'm like she was making fun of you though. Like, I feel like she was questioning the story. Not like exactly. Yeah. Oh, it felt it more weird. like a joke than like trying to like get him to reframe that at all. It was weird. Yeah. Uh, so they keep dating. They finally go to church and then you meet his mother, which of course, wait, when did it, don't they go to is the Bible study scene? Because that was fun for me. Oh, that's right. Like this that. was this was <laughs> the Bible study scene. I think that was just before this one. So so what happened? Yeah, oh, the okay. Bible study yeah, scene. yeah, yeah. So we have the study yeah. scene where she they you know somehow she decides that she'll go to this Bible study with him, uh, and they walk in the door, and this is where you find out that there's this possible previous love interest or a connection for him. Kel 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 yeah. <laughs> And I don't know, in some ways I really liked her character throughout because she's kind of devious, it seems like, or uh, she's kind of the pissed older sister or something. Yeah. Um, or, you know, this is my property and you better, I don't know. And they don't really fill her out much. Uh, but but anyway, so they walk into this other person's house. He's invited her to, a, I guess it's a small group Bible study and introduces everybody. One couple just got married. One couple is pregnant. And then the last person besides Paul and her is this woman, Kel-Kel, who you can tell right away, oh, they have some kind of connection. Like they went to, and it explains that they went to like, you know, church camp or some kind of summer camp together. But the, like, you know, then the scene ends at some point with them sitting around the table and, you know, starting to read Romans, which all good small group Bible studies do. You start with Romans, you do. people. You do. That's right. Um, the Romans road. Um but there was this weird like thing that I feel like they've done in other they did in other places as well, other scenes. You know, she kind of like somebody says a verse or something, or she does and says it's from Galatians, I think. But then like, oh no, 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 I mean it's from you know, fi- figures out and corrects herself that it's from Corinthians, and everybody's like, oh, okay, like you're okay then. Um, yeah. 
Because part of the tension that maybe we've gotten to and most likely isn't built up very much, but is that, okay, she's not a Christian, so is she going to be able to pass as one in front of these people, which gets repeated in a couple different places. Not very well done, but that to me, like the test was whether or not you knew that this particular passage that some random person said was in this book or that book. And I just think... Yeah, that was strange because the the verse she quoted was the weird thing, like not where it was. And that's what I, yeah, thought, everyone, I thought everyone was looking at her because she quoted this weird verse about sexual immorality. And I was like, how's kind of funny? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And then they like totally undid it. And she's like, oh no, it's from this. And everyone's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that was that was not the way that I was expecting that to go. Because it was... Yeah, that was strange. I just assumed they sat down at that point and then they took a, you know, okay, here's the setup. And it's kind of funny because she says this sexual, you know, because it was pretty funny. It was kind of like, oh, they should get married or so you don't get lost in sexual t- temptation, right? And then maybe the writers got up and went to lunch or something and they come back and are like, okay, uh, let's see. How can we play this? It really felt off. Yeah, it did. Um, And there was a lot of little moments like that, like that just like they were trying to hit something and then you either like knew they missed it or then you were wondering like, well, what were they trying to do? Because I don't understand what happened in this little uh, moment. Uh, So then she finally goes to church with Paul and she meets the family. And of course, the mom is the stereotypical manipulative, you know, meddler, classy, upper middle class, rich lady. Um, who his trophy wife, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, I, she's, uh, I think maybe one of the only characters whose motivations and whose like intent throughout the whole film was, was pretty spot on. That's to, to that actress's credit. Yeah, that's true. So you can tell, yeah, from the very beginning, like the first facial expression, like she doesn't trust and, and she's, she's right. Right. Like the, the weird thing about mm-hmm. all this is like the person that we can probably classify as the villain of the movie is the mom. Um, so they go out to, to lunch, which we mentioned this earlier, but they, you know, they're like, let's go to steak and cake. And it's exactly what you think it is. In fact, I'm still thinking about it. Cause I would like to go to this place. I wish. I, absolutely. <laughs> like they had like four whole cakes and just like piles of steak. <laughs> People were just, it was amazing. But I, <laughs> but it they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it was so strange. You yeah. like that. And you get the impression that they go here every Sunday after church. I don't know how you can sustain that kind of uh, diet on a regular basis. Uh, but at this at this family gathering, it is revealed, um, which was a weird thing, like a weird catalyst for the the tension in the relationship. Uh, it is revealed that they're going to go to um, Mexico for a missions trip. And then, you know, she's like, well, how long are you going to be gone? Like a month or more. And that kind of creates that tension. But the whole story is that they went on this really expensive vacation in Mexico and they looked down the hill from their resort and they're like, oh, <laughs> those poor people down there. And they go down and they're poor, sad Mexico. Yeah. And their church bell is broken <laughs> and uh, they're going to go. They're going to go fix it. And that's like the whole is it's, it was it was a weird contrast, right? Because they're talking about the excess of this vacation and they're sitting in front of like piles of cake and steak and it is uh and even when they get on the mission strip like the people are secondary they they show montages of them doing the work and they're never with the people the people are always just separate standing somewhere else looking like bored <laughs> i don't know if they were trying yeah. to look like they've been devastated uh it was look sad and destitute yeah so this whole mexico mission strip becomes the catalyst for like everything being found out but also like them starting the process of coming together and it was really it was hard to watch like that being the motivation for it because even like after they broke up on this missions trip uh her little over her narrative comes in and she's like in that you know and then i went home and and then she assumed like as it was supposed to be right or something like that insinuating that god orchestrated this whole thing Uh, so basically the premise of the whole movie is that there's a single girl and god wants to hook her up with a relationship with with him and this other guy. So the best thing that God can think of is to send a devastating uh, natural disaster to this little village so it can be the catalyst for these two to get together, which is great uh, theology, I think. It was bad. It was yeah. bad. <laughs> I think my favorite worst scene of, of that whole montage was when she sits down in the school time with the church. School time is, is essentially having the white matriarch Morgan Fairchild's character read the Bible to the little Spanish children and she's reading it in English and it gets translated in Spanish to the kids. And uh, I couldn't help but think and watch that. Like how, 
how are these kids learning? Like, how is this any? Yeah, but then they abandoned the whole translation thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, that was awkward yeah. in the middle. Yeah, yeah, and then it was like, oh, we we know a couple words in Spanish. Let's just use those right now. Well, yeah, or apparently the mom and the uh, the other woman who had a wonderful Spanish accent when she spoke Kelco. Yeah, uh, it's just, it almost sounded French to me, uh, like she was trying to, I don't know, throw an accent on top of. But anyway, like apparently they speak flawless Spanish because the little girl asks the question all in Spanish. And maybe we're supposed to assume the translator translated, you know, between the scene cuts or something. But it was just and that, that was like the reveal somehow, which, again, did this thing of how how is that a reveal? Right. So she's there, this little girl in the class ask this question in Spanish that doesn't get translated, but we, you know, if you know Spanish a little bit or you, you basically figure out means, you know, how come this horrible, if God loves us so much, how come this horrible thing happened? And their response is to quote another verse, you know, like, well, there's an answer actually for that. And it's in this verse, I guess, because Gwyneth cannot find either the passage in James that they're referring to James one, seven, eight is what it was, you know, trials come or something like you know i uh, but anyways because she can't find it in the bible or or something i don't even know what that they knew they figured it out like this voiceover comes back on right like everybody knows now that i'm not a christian maybe you guys can help me out but i was like well how do they know i'm confused well I, i get what they were trying to do it felt like i mean this is a pivotal scene right like this is where kind of everything uh breaks open sort of because the mom is trying to trap her right so of course, we're going to use this uh, small Mexican girl in this classroom as a trap for this girl to reveal that she's not a Christian or whatever. Um, so she sets it up where the little girl asks this question, a really good question that I was asking from the very second that they got into this little village is why do these things happen if God is is love and all that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, she shoots to Gwyneth, the main character, to answer the question for the little girl. So not only does this girl have this genuine question about why did this happen to us? Well, now I'm going to use this as an opportunity to tell the person that I know darn well doesn't know the answer to this. And then she throws out the answer. That's when she quotes the verse that they never read. They never go to the verse because the other girl quotes it in Spanish. Uh, so it's it's this moment that's supposed to be subtlety like we know there's mm. something off here. And then you're waiting for that to pay off. But in the very next scene, it cuts to her coming to the dining hall and Paul pulls her aside and says, you're not a believer, are you? And it's not because she told them about this scenario. It's because one of the kids, which I don't know why, but the little kids are cleaning their room at night while they're all gathered together, finds her book on uh, Christianity for Dummies and takes it to the mom and the mom takes it to the son. So that it's supposed to be this pivotal scene, but it doesn't pay off. Because that's not the real reason how everyone finds out. It's so strange. Yeah. Yeah. This movie in general, I think, is characterized by a lot of loose ends or images or scenes that that were that seemed like they were going to end up or pay off, but end up not doing that. Very much so. The whole like used to of Mexico as this poor, impoverished place that we're going to. I mean, they say things literally like we're going to go fix it or. Um, yeah. You know, and even the way it's portrayed of them, these poor folks and we're coming in more than anywhere else in the movie, the scenes with them, the white folks, <laughs> the family and the extra people that are part, they're all wearing the same shirt. It just felt such like a cult, <laughs> mm-hmm. like we're, mm-hmm. we're down here, we're reading to these people from our books and here's our clear, but we're not really helping or I guess we're going to paint the town back or, I mean, it kind of felt like they used the, they reused the set, I think from, uh, like the three amigos or uh, something. I wrote that down. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. It looks like, exactly oh the same thing. What is this? It's Santa Poco. Uh, <laughs> but it's just, yeah, the whole, it's just awkward for, for, to have it be like the, the moment of, Oh, the person finally gets found out. And, and the other thing is that the whole, one of the things the movie does a terrible job at is any sense of like uh, time passing so even the like, we're going down to Mexico and oh my gosh, he's going to be gone for a month. It was like, well, what? They've only gone on like three dates, right? Or like, how, uh, how is this that big of a problem? Or, or, you know, I guess it just kind of threw it off for me too. Like, so they're gone for a month. I don't know. And, and even place, like the, the sense of place, there wasn't a lot of, there was zero, I feel like, shots that give you any kind of establishment. You know, there, there's like zero establishing shots for like, a city, uh, and, and even the Mexico stuff, everything's close up. 
there's very very little world building and very little time construction mm-hmm. throughout, which those are so essential to movie making, to, to feeling like, you know, to experience with the character any kind of, you know, uh, or, you know, even the sense of, okay, now it's it's all come out and they can't be together anymore. For me to care about that, I need to know that they've been together for a while. And I didn't get that sense. Like their relationship hasn't changed at all. Um, I don't know. So it just, that's another area where I feel like it's not paying off because I don't care yet because you haven't allowed me to care because you haven't, you know, established anything. So it just, it requ- you know, so the, it feels like the movie assumes that I've just watched 20 other romantic comedies and I know the patterns and I know the steps or whatever and the beats to everything. And so if I just put this in over the top of that, everything's going to make sense. Um, which I just think is, you know, that's bad movie making. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then I love the fact that like she gets there in a pickup truck and then when she leaves Mexico, she just walks out of the dining room or whatever and then walks into the dark. Yeah. (laughs) Like somehow she made it back to the airport. I don't know. It was pretty awesome. The whole, their whole time there felt very like even when they were singing around the fire, it was all the, the workers. And then you really didn't even see any of the locals there. Like there was no sense that they had any kind of other connection, even when they were teaching in the classroom, like it was all of the, the workers like lined up in the wall in the front. There's like, like just stark segregation between everyone. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was very strange. And then they didn't, yeah, they didn't do a very good job of establishing any kind of world building. I think that's a really, that's a really good point. Like you didn't feel lived in the movie at all. You just saw the office and the restaurant and, the <laughs> three amigos village and and, and that's it <laughs> that's pretty right. much uh can, can we talk about the confrontation scene between the two of them because this really bothers me about how christianity is displayed here and this to me seemed like this this culmination of okay yeah it's bad to lie but so the two of them they walk out of the dining room or whatever you know everybody's eating after she kind of you know everybody's looking at her weird and paul comes out and confronts her with the book you know we know that you you've lied and I get the whole thing of you lied to me and that's not cool. Um, absolutely. That, that made sense. I, I, I just, I did, I, I had a hard time figuring out what it was that it seemed like he was upset about something else though. But her thing of like, well, you know, I have been to church and I do believe in God and whatever, but he kind of pushes it as like, well, let me, you know, let me tell you a story. Is this what it's like for you? You know, where you kind of, you, you, you become a Christian or you say you are and it's convenient, but then when things get tough, you decide, well, I don't know. And you kind of reject it for a while. You just go back and forth and back and forth. Like there was, at, at the end of that, I felt like his point was, if you can't live up to this particular standard of believing no matter what, or when things get difficult, then you're not really a Christian. And because you've lied, I, I don't know. I really am confused about what the, maybe you all could fill it out for me better, but what it is exactly that he was so upset about, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that he's upset about anything. Like I think that, he, first of all, she never confirmed that he was 100% right in all of that. And, and, and on top of that, like, even like later in like shortly after the scene, she tells her friend, like she wants to have a relationship with Jesus, but then everyone else treats her like she's not there yet. Like there's this, yeah. this journey or obstacle she needs to go to before it's finally happened. And so, and there was really no, which I liked and didn't like, I would have liked if the movie as a whole was more creative in handling it. I didn't like it because the way the movie was, you kind of needed it, but there was no conversion moment. Like there was no moment where her relationship with, with God became official. Right. And if the whole point of this rom-com was, was like, it's more of a romantic comedy between, you know, this, this girl and, or this woman and God, there was no moment where that was solidified. In fact, that they had this like weird montage where she's so depressed that, that everything is ended and she's talking to God and, and God, you know, sends wind through the windows and then she's walking out of a coffee shop and looks at a couple who's sitting there and then someone accidentally bumps her with their purse. And she's like, she's like, really, God, like those things happen all the time. Like those things pretty much happen every time anyone goes into a coffee shop anywhere. So they tried to establish yeah. this big like, oh, my life is falling apart. But it was a little bit of wind through your window and you saw a couple, which is pretty common at a coffee shop and someone actually bumped into you. And that was, 
Like that was the extent of your really bad time. Yeah. yeah the yeah. whole conversion and, thing happened in a montage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then never and, really happened. And I, I felt like it was very disjointed because it, I, I thought I like kind of picked up on it, but it was in like two different uh, experiences. It was after she like came back from Mexico and then there was a conversation that she had with Paul. It was like a supposed to be a reconciliation type of conversation. And then after that is when, you know, she has her dark night of the soul, I guess is what you call it. And yeah, because he ends up with uh, the other girl. Kel Kel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she she leaves that being really sad and gets really angry at God. And uh, it's raining outside and has to open the window to say sorry to God for being angry at him for, for some reason. I don't know. But it, anyways, what I'm trying to say is that it felt very disjointed like the rest of the film. And that they're, it seemed like they were trying to portray two separate conversion experiences that were that's in quotes yeah but, it's like um, they edited it wrong like there's certain scenes that yeah. should have been earlier and then other scenes that should have been later to give you more of like a, a flow of what's what's happening and because somehow in there they end up like friends again to where they can talk and then that's when she confronts her him about like why she's he's with this girl and how he settles and how mm. he's a bit hypocritical and he's not living for himself and everyone else is telling him which is spot on like and then yeah, he freaks definitely. out, like freaks out. Like he goes from, you know, one to, you know, milk toast all the way through to like then like telling her that she has no right. And that just because she's not a Christian at that point, but then you get the sense that she is a Christian, that she doesn't have the right to or shouldn't have the insight into his life. But that's just a people thing, right? It has nothing to do with salvation. It is clear from everyone who's watching this movie or would spend five minutes with him and and the the woman that he's with now and his mom that there's something wrong there like she wasn't she wasn't given this by divine decree it was obvious and she calls him out and he freaks out and they don't speak again for i assume almost a year yeah and i wasn't sure why that was devastating to her like she leaves that scene and it's all like oh i'm crying about what happened but it was like i it seemed like she went into that just you know i'm just going to say what needs to be said i'm not like i don't know so it just it was weird uh, I'm sorry, so after she leaves, like the rain comes and I was thinking, okay, here's the baptism scene. Here's the, and it kind of goes into the montage, I think, or there's already been the montage if we're going to the church. Um, and cause it, you know, they talk about that, like how, while she's with him, the sense of like, well, I've been, you know, I've been on my journey and I'm doing this thing and, you know, my church is a little more rambunctious or, you know, and it's this whatever church that meets in a strip mall and, has awesome worship, I uh, guess. And it, although what I did like is they show this church and it's like crazy diverse. It's like yeah, the most diverse very church. Very multi-ethnic, which is awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, oh, that's cool. That yeah. church has the most diversity that we've seen in all the films that we've looked at so far. <laughs> like it absolutely. was. absolutely. Yeah, it, it looked like a church I would like to kind of go to. It looked kind of. Absol- yeah, yeah so I, mean, I thought that was cool. Um, but so she leaves after this thing and it feels like, okay, this is the pivotal moment. And I, I just remember, okay, the rain. Okay, this is the thing, you know, it's changing. I was like, there's only 13 minutes left in the movie at this point. Like, what are they going to do? Um, we then get this transformative moment, right, where she gets, at the end of the montage, I think, she gets a bunch of mail. And one of the letters <laughs> is from a kid. One of the girl, the girl actually who asked the question in Mexico about why does God love, you know, how can God love us if this has happened to us, blah, blah, blah. And she apologizes for her bad English. And I just feel like they found some little like Latina kid and told her, try to read this as awfully as you can. Like it was another way in which let's just totally stereotype yeah. Mexican yeah. poor and pot. Like it was horrible. Um, yeah. So, okay, this is where I had this moment of just profound hope and excitement for the movie. Because is it right? We, we jump to she becomes a teacher. And she mentioned at one point early on to Paul um, that like, you know, she kind of wanted to be a teacher at one point. So this dream gets realized. She's down in Mexico. She's learning Spanish because she's talking with them. I mean, everything's perfect. Uh, you know, they, they actually have a nice schoolhouse now. But so she's down there. And I thought, if the movie ends like this, I'm going to be so happy that she has, like that the culminating thing is that she figured out what she wanted to do. And sure, okay, like she has this relationship with Jesus now. Good for her. She, you know, some conversion experience. But the point is, yes, she connected to God. Great. And now she's doing what she wants to do. She's been transformed in some way from this 30 year old who's just, you know, doing this silly job that she doesn't really like. Although most of the movie, it seems like she does like it anyway. 
for, it feels like the, the potential to have it be like she wanted a guy and instead she's found herself in some powerful, meaningful way. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so great. Mm-hmm. And then it, right, then it ends with, you need to go to the church or whatever. And oh, yay, here's Paul and everything's good. And now she has her man too. I thought, oh man, this is so horrible. <laughs> like it would have been so good to end the movie right here. Like it would have had yeah. such a positive message. Yeah. But, but they screwed it up. Well, that's that's the thing is like, so you're probably right. I think that the her conversion moment, whatever, was when she got the the letter from the little girl, you know, finally explaining what the verse meant that they they were brought mm. they were they brought that destruction to make them stronger. Which, ugh. Um, but somewhere in the middle of that montage, and at, at this point, like in this third act of the film, it's hard to remember. And I just watched it today again, and I still don't remember the order of things because it was so disjointed. But somewhere in the middle of that, she had a conversation with her friend Pam the black yes. woman from the office. <laughs> and that's where she reveals that she is also a Christian. And she's like, well, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, well, and I'm not going to throw my faith around and hit people over the head and all that kind of stuff. So it's like this weird reveal. That's not my style. Yeah. Like, like, a, <laughs> like, which was somewhat refreshing, right? Compared to what we, yeah. we see in God's not dead, especially. Um, but that there wasn't like, there was that, that, that self-awareness of the fact that like different people have different ways in which they, share their faith in, you know, she, yeah. she was, she was being more helpful practically. And in, in the long run, that made more of a difference, which if it was written better and more cleverly done, which would have been really nice. But the whole thing in the middle of that, it's like, you don't understand what she wants or where she's going. And then even when she gets to the school, like you said, that would have been a great ending. But then the little kid runs in and says, you've got to go to the church. And it was obvious mm-hmm. what was going to happen, you know? So she goes to the yeah. church and there's, there's Paul and no explanation, right? They just basically like, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm here alone. I'm not here with what's her name and not here physically or in my heart. And then he basically just kisses her and they never explain like what happened or anything like that. And then they're like, oh, your mom, she's one of a kind and never address the fact that she's horribly manipulative and <laughs> he has a codependent relationship with her. Exactly. Like none of that gets solved. It's still yeah. all there. And, you know, she's the non-Christian. She's the one that needed this journey. And, you know, let's just excuse the mom's behavior is, ah, okay. And, yeah. And poor, what's, I forget, I keep forgetting her name. Kay? Kel-Kel. Kel-Kel. I mean, she's got to be devastated, right? She was used by a pawn by this guy's mom. And then he, he he ended up being with her, but then went away back to this. It was, it was strange. Goodness gracious. And then they insinuated that they got engaged with like a quick picture in the end. And then, then that was it. That was the. Ending credits. Living yeah. down in Mexico, having their... Living down in Mexico. Yeah, looking down on the poor village that they built That's from right. their nice, big <laughs> luxury, whatever. So, any any final thoughts? Uh, anything you want to bring up before we, we close this out and we go into our our rating system? I think just the, the general message that it's not okay for people to be old and single, and that being singleness is somehow akin to being a plague. It's just not helpful or good. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything more to say. That's, that's it. I, I will say t- two things happen. One is looking through the credits. Um, I discovered that like one thing that popped up first is they said like, you know, a special thanks to these companies. And one of the companies was Dust Bowl Brewing Company, which I was like, what? And then find out through the very bottom, like half this film or more than half was filmed in Turlock, California. Nice. So shout out to Turlock. Um, so I'm assuming one of the scenes might have been in the Dust Bowl Brewing Company, which I've been to, and they have really good beer. They have great IPAs and some other good stuff. So anyway, I said that was kind of weird. Um, and then at the very, very, very end, there's like this wonky scene back to like, you know, a little extra clip, three seconds of looking at the two older Mexican guys standing against the wall and a voiceover of her saying, of Gwyneth saying, Adios, amigos. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I missed that. I didn't know there was that? an end credit scene. Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't it's like, what the heck is that? It's just like, I, I was so, like, here, let me just throw in one more racist, like, little. Oh, thing. my gosh. It's so bad. Adios, amigos. Oh, my gosh. So, anyway, I was excited about the Turlock thing. And there was a ton of Turlock extras. So, I have some friends that are from Turlock that I'm going to have to say, okay. I apologize, but you need to watch this so you can tell me if you recognize anybody. Or uh, that's good to know. Yeah. I'm not going to Turlock for fear of running into those creepy twins. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh! 
All right. So let's move into our ratings. Uh, we rate our movies on a scale from one to 30 pieces of silver. How much has this particular movie sold out the gospel of Jesus Christ? Um, so gentlemen, what is your rating? Dylan, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, I'm going to be pretty lenient on this movie and say only uh, 17 because it didn't really bring up, uh, I think, faith that much. And the points when it did, I thought it wasn't too, too horrible. So I'm going to go with a, a 17. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the 20s somewhere, probably close to 20, 23, 24. They're, they're, they never said anything about what does this stuff mean? At least I feel like in some of the previous movies we've watched, uh, as shallow as it is, they talk about, you know, faith being going to church or reading the Bible or, you know, be participating in this kind of community. But in this movie, faith just was so ambiguous. And there's part of that that I like, but it wasn't ambiguous good. It was ambiguous, well, we just assume you know what this is. And for the, like, extremely overt patriarchy and uh, just acceptance of kind of white American norms for Christianity fits with this. So the reason it doesn't get the full 30 is because of the amazing scene with the church that she's a part of that was super diverse that felt like that's pretty awesome that they showed yeah. that. Um, so maybe, yeah. You know, maybe yeah, 20, 21, 22 is where I'll land. You got to land on one, man. You can't, you can't be flipped. 22, 22, 22, straight 22. Okay. Sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Such a millennial. <laughs> I know, right? Can't commit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with 15. I don't think it was horrible. It it really it really does a good job. I mean, it does a better job than other films that we've seen sticking to the fact that it's a genre film over like a particularly Christian or evangelical film um, like, you know, God's Not Dead and Saving Christmas and all that. It seemed much less concerned with making a theological statement than just trying to tell a story, a bad story, a flawed story, uh, but a story nonetheless, which I, I appreciate it is kind of like a on that border between cinema with the C and cinema with an S like right there in the middle. So that's where, where I'm going. Uh, so so what are your recommendations? Uh, if someone likes what, what film should someone watch instead of this if they're looking for something similar to what we just watched? Um, I'd have to go with the movie once it is a wonderful film about two musicians who, who meet and there's a little bit of a romantic attraction within the film. Uh, but I'm not gonna give anything away. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. Nice. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say if you're looking for a rom-com of someone trying to pretend to be something they're not go to the 1985 film, just one of the guys. It is about a, a budding journalist who decides to prove once and for all that she would get better grades if she were a guy and she dresses up as a guy, basically like a like a cheap knockoff of Ralph Macchio and goes to school and pretends to be uh, a guy and meets a guy who becomes her friend and doesn't know how to tell him that she's a girl. It's, it's great. It's one of those like perfect 80s movies. It's very... Uh, it, it does have some of the classic signs of an 80s movie that's over sexualized and all that kind of stuff. But overall, it's it's a fun movie and it's uh, does some of the things that I think that this movie is trying to do in a much, much better way as far as like a rom-com genre film of someone pretending to be someone they're not. Um, and if you're looking for a film that you're you'd like to see a strong female lead trying to figure out who they are in the world and how they're going to be, uh, go watch Moana. I'm, I'm obsessed with this movie right now. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. I went to go see it with my my daughters the first time and I was like, this is really good. And they wanted to see it again. And I saw it again. It just gets better and better. And, uh, I'm, and I'm not a musical guy, but watch this movie It's great. So good. Can't say enough things about it. So those are my recommendations. It's awesome. Adam, how about you? Well, I would say some mine, I, there is a rom, uh, romantic comedy that I just, I love, but it doesn't really connect with the same themes in this. Although, um, there, there is a bit of like, two, can can these two people from different backgrounds actually connect? So this is going to betray my my uh, Julia Roberts bias uh, and Hugh Grant, right? So the old uh, Notting Hill movie where uh, he's just a little lowly book st- uh, bookstore seller and she's this uh, movie star and they come together and it's, it is wonderful. It's one of my favorite romantic comedies. Just a ton of uh, folks in it too from... Uh, other British, amazing British actors. Uh, it's a wonderful cast and just, yeah, super, super fun to watch. Yes. Uh, so we have a certain opinion about this movie. We clearly didn't like it. 
<laughs> at all and wouldn't go out of our way to watch this unless we were talking about it on a podcast. But there are other people that disagree with us. They have opinions that have possibly redeemed our perspectives of this particular movie. And uh, we're going to be looking at a couple Amazon reviews or just reviews in general of this film where people like it and perhaps will provide us a redeemed perspective. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share mine just because I'm afraid you, you all might have it too, so then I can uh, <laughs> sneak it in. But this person, they, they got it's five stars. They loved it. But the review says unpretentious, which I feel like, yeah, it didn't feel pretentious at all. Um, it's honest, hilarious. This film captures many aspects of life and dating in a way that few other movies do. I disagree with that. Uh, but Christian Mingle is more than just a story about dating, much more. It talks about many of the big questions of life, but it does so in a way that is entertaining, innocent, and disarming. This is one of those movies that you have some doubts about at first, like you are having right now as you read this. <laughs> but just 10 minutes into it, you know you are in for something very special. You will not be disappointed, but you will be inspired and challenged. Highly recommended. That's nice that someone thinks that. I'm not sure you're going to be challenged in any way by this movie, except by the parts of trying to figure out, wait, why was that like that? Um, <laughs> but, you know... I do buy the unpretentious part. Like it didn't ever feel like it took itself too seriously. No, which was nice. Uh, Dylan, you got one? Yeah, uh, I think this kind of echoes something that you said earlier, Adam, but the the review is called Good Movie Short Ending. Better than it's made out to be. This is a good movie with a poor ending. I wish the directors would have given more time to properly close the movie, but it was very nice, exclamation point. And I, I feel like that's true. I think uh, what you said, Adam, if... Uh, if they just left the movie with her going down to to pursue her dream and teach in Mexico, it would have been a uh, surprisingly good film. Better film, I'll say. Not good. Yeah. But better. <laughs> yeah. M- mine is a five-star review, also from Amazon. And it is uh, the title of this is Entertaining and Wholesome Movie. First sentence. Love the movie and morals. I wish the two main characters had a chance to journey together. But I like that the female character got to grow herself. It is not the typical romantic movie. There should be more of these wholesome and entertaining and thought-provoking movies. Uh, so, I again, like you were saying, Adam, I'm thought-provoking. Like, there's nothing about this that was was thought-provoking. Uh, this is just, yeah, this this perspective does not redeem mine. No. <laughs> yeah. So that will that'll do it for us this week on divine cinema this is again this is our last episode as part of irenacast we will be spinning off to our own podcast shortly uh we will keep you updated on that if you want uh regular updates uh when things happen you can follow us on the twitter account that we made for this which is at divine cinema pod and there's a link to that particular twitter account in the show notes for this episode at irenacast.com slash 99 uh, unlike our previous spellings of cinema, at Divine Cinema Pod is spelled with the C. So at Divine Cinema Pod on Twitter. And uh, that's the one we have established right now until we get everything in place. So check us out there. And don't forget, if you'd like to join us for our live recording of our uh, 100th episode of Irenicast, you can do that and get all the information for that at irenicast.com slash live. So uh, for this final Irenicast edition of Divine Cinema. I'm Jeff. I'm Dylan. I'm Adam. Thanks for joining us on the movies or <laughs> we still or whatever uh, or whatever. We still haven't figured out what we we're going to say. We promise to fix this end. when we have exactly. By the podcast. time that we have our own podcast, we will have an official <laughs> closing, and uh, we'll make it more clever than Christian made. It's going to be epic. <laughs> yeah, that's going right. to be real good. So <laughs> until next time, thank you for joining us. 